All right, folks, welcome to the weekly Manchester United show. I'm your host, as always, Phil Brown. Joining us, my regular co host here, the excellent Brad Pitt. How you doing, mate? How you doing, mate? All good. You're so good, aren't you? <laughs> We're expecting that one. We expect a more Rocky Dennis, <laughs> wasn't he? <laughs> I, I was uh, expecting Rocky Dennis, my um, I'm trying to tweet out this link live here so people can join us, match it. So give me one second here, bang it on the Twitter. I thought it tweeted out myself, but I mean, not. yeah. So, so make sure I'm not tweeting out my only fans link. Junior big mate, dog. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. Let's to uh, talk about today, of course. Uh, Manchester United's first game coming up on the weekend against Brighton. Not sure what to expect, and that's the best I can tell you. If you ask me, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? And obviously, there's lots of transfer speculation at the moment surrounding the football club. We'll get into that. We'll get into, of course, United's games over the weekend. The two games over the weekend, one disappointing against um, Atletico Madrid and uh, Real Vallecano. Uh, we'll get into some other things that have gone on. Um, and sorry, sorry, your I'm, questions. I'm cutting across you here, but the link hasn't went up properly, so it's just the actual link for me and you to get in. It's not oh, the live it? link. That oh, I'm glad you on, did that. So. I heard I may delete that. Right. That's people start requesting to be in the studio with us. So, uh, sure, sure. There it is. Yeah. I don't actually know <laughs> where it is. Oh, sorry, I'm gonna kick him out. Sorry, that's wrong. Uh, it's normally just tweets. I don't know what happened there. I don't know. Yeah, sorry. Um. So where's the link to tweet this yoga, mate? As you can and see, you've done, uh, it, you've done it right every every other week, but it's, it's this week it's I think it's supposed to tweet out. Um, I don't know what happened there, so folks, just bear with us for a second. Otherwise, this is going to have to go on. Uh... Now, I can't be asked. We'll just record it and bang it up. All right, folks, sorry about that. All right, let's talk about, of course, um, I'll put up the video on YouTube now. Um, first of all, talk about the games at the weekend. What did you make of United in both games? We're good. Um, I thought... Will lack probably that finishing touch that we, me and you both spoke about last week in terms mm -hmm. of strikers. Will lack that, he had to say it, that Ronaldo esque number nine finisher. Um, I think we were good in spells, which has been kind of the, lo the long ongoing thing for Manchester United that we're good in spells and we can never last for a full 90 minutes. And I think that, that sums up the performances. Um, but again, this is pre season. Players are all getting game time. This week is whenever we realise how good we really are or how bad we really are. And I think uh, we'll, we'll, we'll not decide off this one performance this weekend, but over the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to make a more informed judgment of the whole situation. Yeah, I think um, if you look at what preseason is all about, we had lost one game in preseason, so it wasn't a disaster. Um, you know, and I don't think it's a disaster to lose to Atletico Madrid, especially when you've got back-to-back -back games and you've, you're obviously trying to divide up the first team. It's not a full first team. And it's more about individual incremental development than it is about results. Results matter, of course. They need to have confidence going into the season. They need to believe in Ten Hag. And I'm not saying it, it, it doesn't matter. Of course, it matters. Um, but I think you can, you know, Liverpool lost their first preseason game 4 0. You take a look at what they did to City at the weekend, right? They had no impact on them. And so I think you have to be careful about reading too much into results. So I think um, it's been a good preseason. What I would say is I think it's ridiculous, Colin, that we're sitting here a few days away from the start of the season and we don't have an answer as to who United's, what, what United's forwards are going to be. I don't think that's acceptable. I can understand the delay on the De Jong deal. Totally understand that. But the forward deal, I do not understand at all. Look, they should have had an answer on the Anthony deal a month ago, right? Back in July, not August, right? And this is now where you find yourself in a situation where top clubs don't want to sell their players the start of August, 
So if you know, you got to, you either go to a selling club that want to sell their players or you overpay, which they aren't capable of doing. This is like the January sales and waiting to mid-January and going and seeing what's on the shelves. And what's on the shelves is what people don't want or what people are returning. It's not what you should, it's not a result of a thought or strategy. Oh, it says, we'll go get this player, we'll go get that player. And um, Sesco, good young player, the United Lake. And here we're sitting here saying Salzburg don't want to sell them because they want to wait another year. Um, part of the problem, a selling club. They were aware of him under Ranić, of course, right? Uh, who, of course, was, was part of the whole Red Bull franchise. I just don't understand why we're sitting having this conversation at, at the first, second day of August. I think uh, it all goes back to a phrase that I like in with Phil Brown that is ranking competence. Um, and you, you've said that from day dot, from the moment me and you first started talking about United, it was this club and how everything is just being so lackadaisical. I've touched on it a lot in terms of the, the reactions and the reactive, not proactive. It's all boiled down to that. We're sitting here a couple of days out from our first game of the season. We don't know if Ronaldo's coming or going. We don't know if Anthony Martial, who was loaned out last year, is going to be leading our front line. We don't know if Sancho and Rashford are going to be our two wingers. In fact, we don't know quite a lot about this team. We don't even know who the centre-half pairing is going to be. So it's worrying, but at the same time, it's also exciting because we're going to see a different Manchester United. It is. I'm it telling is, you, it is exciting. You're it is. No, no, no. no. I'm, be, I'm being an optimist. And I think when we look at it this weekend and we see this United team, and what Ten Hag brings to the table, it's going to be a completely different United team than what we've ever seen before. So whether Ronaldo's leading the front line or not, whether it's Martial, whether it's uh, someone else, we don't know. But I think that we'll we'll do the business this weekend, and, and going forward, I think we're going to be all right. So what do you think we'll see as mate that we this weekend mate that we've never seen before? Uh, like we're saying, we've never seen before. Well, not, not a United, like a United that we've never seen before. What, what do you think we'll see this weekend that we haven't seen previous? think we're going to see a team that doesn't crumble under pressure. And that's something that most of the teams we've seen over the past couple of seasons, even the team that finished second. But do we, times, will will, will we get those questions against Brighton? I don't know. Maybe we will. I don't know. No, 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 don't get me wrong. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves against Brighton, but I mean over the coming weeks, because we've got some big games coming up, Liverpool, Arsenal. We, we do have some big games coming up and I think we're going to see a different United team. We're going to see leaders on the pitch, and I think that's important because Ten Hag is is going to build this team around leaders, in my opinion, because that's what he what he done at Ajax, and that's what he's going to do here. And I think it's just going to be a matter of time. You you spoke last week about Christian Eriksen, and I think it was a good point you made about maybe there's a chance of him starting. And he's a leader on on the pitch, so, somewhat the way Ronaldo's a leader on the pitch, um, but in a different way. And I think an Eriksen in the midfield. I was skeptical last week whenever you made that point. I wasn't too sure of it, but just watching him, he just oozes class. Yeah, everything he does, right. oh, every everything he does is positive. Everything's going forward. There's no side passes. There's no going back. We've we've had a lot of that in our midfield with Fred McTominay. So it'll be good to see that kind of change. One of the things I was thinking about was when I was doing a podcast on Sunday, and <clears throat> we're talking about Ten Hag and what we've seen from Ten Hag. Where we've seen. Attacking football, it seems like the United have shape. It seems like there's intensity. It seems like they're, they're able to cut teams open. And that reminded me a lot of Solskjaer's first game against Cardiff, right? Where we went from the bad guy to the good guy. Everything felt good. United were playing this open, expansive football. It was great to watch. And a lot of things we're saying now about Ten Hag, we were saying he's about Solskjaer um, in his first game. What I would say is different. That was a counter-attacking team. That was away from home, and they were set up to play quick on the break. What I would say with Ten Hag, what I'm seeing is teams that are able to impose themselves on a game, not have a team come on to them and exploit them, but unable to put a team under pressure to open them up and to not be, as you would say, reactive, where we're dependent on another team's game plan. Because once that game plan got sussed out, which was really when United signed Dan James, didn't sign creative midfielders, got sussed out. It was really easy to play against. So it was great for a while, and then teams figured it out, and that was it. They're a one-dimensional team. 
I think what Ten Hag, we may see similar in terms of style, but but different in terms of being able to grab a game by the scruff of the neck, not depending on going behind in games like we saw on that unbelievable run. We nearly went behind and kept coming back, and it, that I think they broke the record for the most wins from coming from behind, which I don't think is a good sign. It's a bit like saying your goalkeeper is player of the year. I think that that's telling. You have to be able to dominate games from the off because the top teams are not going to let you back in the games like that. So I think that's where I see a difference in Ten Hag. I see them imposing themselves on a game early. I also see him, and I know maybe this is a bit performative, but it, but it pleases me. When I hear some of the things that Ten Hag says in press conferences about this is unacceptable, you can't do this, this is not, this that that is not, you know, it's okay. Hopefully we catch Mon City like David Moyes. You want to be just like them. You know, I don't, I don't want to hear that rhetoric from a Manchester United manager. And it seems to me like Ten Hag is employing and holding players accountable to particular performances and standards that absolutely is imperative for United to, to improve this season. And, and this is a hard game of the weekend. It, it's a tough game for, for reasons, probably more so off the pitch than on the pitch, because there is a bit of unrest. There's, there's an imbalance in the squad at the moment. No one knows if they're coming or going. I mean, there's so many outgoings in this team. I I can think of about six off the top of my head right now that mm-hmm. they, they could end up being involved this weekend. So what's the story with that? Like, as in, why have we not moved anyone out yet? What's, what's, what are we waiting on? Well, let me ask you this. Ralph Rangnick talked about cosmetic changes at the end of the season. So you never have to make structural changes, real changes, not cosmetic changes. Have you seen anything other than cosmetic? Nothing. Because I haven't seen anything about this United team, this football club this summer that I haven't seen in previous summers. We're involved in a saga with De Jong, right? And at some point, United have to have an end game here. And it can't be if De Jong doesn't sign for us after the first game of Barcelona's season, which I think is August 14th, just like they try to do with Fabregas, we'll move on someone else, right? It has to be better than that. There has to be in a point where they force this issue so that they can move on. Clearly, this is a fundamental player to how Ten Hag wants to play. He wants this player more than any other. I also feel that whatever ends up happening with De Jong will determine how much United have to spend somewhere else. This is why they haven't, in my opinion, they haven't signed other key players. This is ridiculous. You can't have the situation where one player is holding up recruitment in other key areas. Right, because United have already missed out on players by not doing this properly, and so you, you, with Holland same for City. United have missed out on Holland. Bellingham would have been an unbelievable player. United have missed out on Bellingham. They can't keep doing this. At some point, you have to get the players the manager asks for to give them a chance of being successful. If the young doesn't happen, I can't blame United because they did everything possible. Only thing I can blame them was that they, they dragged out way too long, right? Um, if De Jong doesn't happen for reasons that he picks another football club, then I will hold United accountable because they should have been getting assurances from the player that he won't do that. These are the simple things you ask before you go through this process. You know, what if this team comes in for you? What if that team comes in for you? You know, I only want to sing for you, Eric. Okay, they, clearly United have gotten assurances from, from, from De Jong. It's ridiculous to suggest he hasn't. Um, but this situation needs to come to an end for all parties. Um I also feel that it's not the best situation for the players that are at the football club because you're only playing in that position because they can't get someone else. I don't know if that's particularly great for a player's confidence. And when you're talking about creating a player, if you can't find another player in world football that does what Frankie de Jong does, then how are you going to create one at your own football club? Well, that's it. And I mean, for me, the one that I cannot understand whatsoever is why we're loaning out someone like Dean Henderson. Unbelievable. Right? And this, this, I think, answers every question you've just asked right there. It's because, why are we loaning out Dean Henderson? He's not good enough to start for Manchester United. Simple as that. Right? that that's it. End, really? end the conversation. Dav, David De Gea is a better goalkeeper. David De Gea was a better goalkeeper last year. He was a better goalkeeper the year before. And he will be a better goalkeeper this year. It's as simple as that. We're waiting around on someone. It's it's almost like deja vu. Romero wanted to leave. They didn't let him go. They, like, what's, what's it all about? What, what are we waiting on? Why are we not catching in on these type of players? Do we are we going to loan out uh, Tellez? Because that's what, what I think is going to happen. 
That's what it looks like. Well, Talos looks like Tony Gordon. And another role I don't understand. Listen, I can understand if Talos is Brandon Williams in 21-22. Then blowing him out fine because there's a chance he's going to improve and come back and be a first-team player for you. But but yeah. but we, Alex, Alex Talos is at his peak. This is the best Talos we're ever going to see. And if you're deciding to loan him out and send a new left back, but you're going to sell Brandon Williams, makes no sense to me. Why would you do it in reverse? Sell Talos and loan out Brandon Williams? That makes sense. I know. But, but not, not, especially for a football club that needs to supplement its budget to bring in players that it badly needs. Dean Anderson turned around and done an interview. They're quite frankly, I find hard to believe that he said what he said. I didn't want the new manager to see me playing well in case he wanted to keep me. What? These are not matches the players. How egotistical, egotistical is that comment that that he he thinks that he is someone who should be we, we should all be dying for it. We should be wanting Dean Henderson to start every week. What's he done? He's done a guy nothing. complains that he's not playing, comes out and says he's afraid a manager might like him and pick him. We're gonna be a man there, Dino. And by the way, you got COVID at the start of the season. You never won their first five games, four or five games, sort of last season. That's why they didn't get in the team. And then showed a ridiculous attitude. And then, of course, you know, leaked more than the old traffic roof. So, you know, he decided that um, he was going to put a bunch of stuff out there. We wasn't the only one, to be fair. But this is the problem with keeping these disgruntled players and why you can never stop these leaks once this happens. And why Dean Henderson shouldn't be allowed to come back to the football club. Sell him! And if and, and, and same situation with Ronaldo, if you can't, if your agent can't bring me an offer of another club that's commensurate with the value that you think you're worth, then you're not worth that. So take your attitude down a peg or two. Be grateful that you play for one of the biggest football clubs in the world and try to get yourself in the first team because that seems to me like your best option. Okay. And if it's not, and you can bring me a big offer for you, bring it. You can go. Right. So this is this is uh and, and look I'm not saying they don't have good reason. Sometimes there are good reasons. You know, they don't always do things right. I don't understand the utility in keeping them. Um, same with with Tellers. Uh, I think what you need know, at least with Dean Henderson, you could argue okay if he goes and has a brilliant season in the Forest, you could sell him for good money, bigger money than what you could sell him for right now. But that's a big if. So. Um, Mate, I'm getting sorry, sorry to interrupt you before you continue. We're getting loads of messages from people asking for the link. I've managed to find it while you're talking. There's people watching just, it. Yeah, it's it's just from YouTube. So uh, the the I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to tweet it. So it's just gonna have to. Go I, no, it's okay. Through. I'm gonna tweet it now, so you can just retweet it for them. Um, okay. Just so go you have can that. Um. But so no, go ahead, continue. Um. No, well, look. When 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 I look at um, players like Talis players they buy these are players that are in the prime of their career there's no point in loaning them out if you have made a decision right now to sell these players they're not they're not good enough for you move them on you take a look at what city you've sold i was looking at um city and liverpool's outgoings and you know some city have almost cancelled every uh, are almost at a, a net zero spend this summer well, they've always spent 90 million, spent Calvin Phillips, um, Holland, obviously. Uh, but they've sold Zinchenko. I mean, do you take a look at the players they've sold this summer? Why why can't you never do that? Why can't they sell a player? But I, I so think it's more important. But it's more important to look at the types of player they've signed. Two young strikers, both highly sought after, that could be strikers for the next 10 years at the highest level. So meanwhile. We're fighting with a striker who's overage, who's coming to the end of his career, that you say lacks that that sharpness. I kind of think a bit differently, but I can see your point. So what where's where's the happy medium? Where where are we meeting City halfway? Because we're not, we're getting left behind. And that's the problem going forward, that we're continuing just to lack in all of those areas, even what, what we're being linked with. Really, is Cesco the type of player we want right now? No. Is he the type of player we need right now? No. Will he be good in the future? Yes. And that that's the, the, the difference. City are buying players who are good now, also good in the future. The type of players we're like being linked with are players for the future and not for now. No, that's because you know, don't have the money anymore to do what um, 
to, to do anything else. You know, uh, and Rich Arnold's made that clear. I, I'll, I'll tell you one of the things that really concerned me and it really bothered me, and it sort of flew under the radar uh, last couple of weeks, was some of these players coming out saying this is the fittest they've ever been. Now, I want to mention something. Because I've heard Jose Mourinho criticise these players' fitness. I heard Van Hal criticise their fitness, that they weren't fit enough to play a particular type of game. At Solskjaer say when he came in, um, um, I want this team to be the fittest in the league. Exactly, I want this team to be the fittest in the league. And now here we are again. Ranić said they weren't fit enough, complaining about injuries. Why we need to get all these injuries in all the football club was with fitness issue. And here we have these players once again saying, fitness. We need to be. Fitness is the bare minimum I expect from a professional footballer. The absolute bare minimum. And you're responsible for your own fitness. Not the club. You're responsible for what you eat. You're responsible for how you work out. You're responsible for how you work out and train. And you're responsible for all of that as a professional. Okay? When was the last time you heard a Liverpool or City player come out and say, we need to be fit? Fit? It's the lowest parameter. If I can't expect you to be fit, what are you doing? You're not fit to play professional football. Imagine an Olympic athlete showing up to the Olympics going, I need to get fit to run this race. What? You're not prepared? What am I paying you for? And here we have these players once again talking the same, talking using the same parlance that they used before, fitness. What? Why are you not fit? But if we're looking at at our side and we're talking on layman's terms here, who who isn't fit? Well, I mean, they're the ones saying it. They're the ones constantly injured. So I, I have in, to tell you, do we take them at their word that they're not fit? I mean, if much if you're not fit and you're a professional, because I think that's the bare minimum a fan has a right to expect from you. They're paying in to watch people do things they can't do. And one of them is the fact that you're supposed to remain fit every single day. So we've got players that just lost to a team at the weekend who are three weeks behind them in preseason. United players are still talking, oh, that we're being sick in training. Wait a minute. You players, this is where Roy Keane talked about players constantly throwing, you know, lepers don't change their spots, throw people on the bus. For five, six, seven years, you're not fit to play football. Solskjaer took over in the middle of the season. And he said those players weren't fit. How are they not fit in January? What else have you got to do? What else is more important? Ralph Ranić took over that team in the middle of a season and said they weren't fit, which is why they were constantly getting injured. How are you not fit in the middle of a fucking season? I think that's a fair point, but I also think the level of fitness depends on the manager. And the style of play. You know what does I think, it? Do you think Ronaldo was ever unfit because of a manager? No, but what I'm saying was is that in Ten Hag's type of play, the pressing football that, that we're going to play, every player is going to be fit, regardless, because that's how he trains, that's how he plays, that's how we line up in every single game. So whilst look, it's a transitional period over the last couple of years, I'm not saying the transitional period's over because it's still there, and we're probably going to see a transitional period for the next year, possibly two seasons before we're really at a, at a point where we can say, right, we should genuinely be striving for a league. Whereas we all want that right now, it's probably yes. not realistic. So what I'm saying is, is that over the period of this season, next season, the players are naturally going to be fitter because they're playing a different type of football under Ten Hag. They're playing a more pressing, more demanding football, a more, more demanding style of play under Ten Hag. So naturally they are all going to be fit regardless of, of how it's going to be. Compared to the last season's football, the, the the football the season before, it's completely different. But mate, wasn't wasn't I mean, I'm asking an honest question. It was wasn't Ranić brought into back play a high press game? The, yeah, I mean but, was, I, but, I, I needed to be similar no, 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 to Ten Hag because yes. for that contingency was there, right? That was the we talk. Well, it has to be someone that has similar mindset to Ranić. Okay. Has to be someone that's that's why they went for him over Pacchettino. They weren't fit to play a high-pressing game under Ranić. 
in the middle of a season. So why do I believe that these players will all of a sudden develop the um, the professionalism to then come and be fit enough to play Ten Hag's system? Well, we'll have to take it at face value. He's come in. That's he, he looks as if he, he looks as if he he has ramped things up. I shared a clip on Twitter the other day that a lot of people here probably commented on about how demanding he was. Um, whenever whenever he said, I think I think he said fucking rubbish towards um, was it Sadanic Ball maybe. When whenever he's demanding, like no no other play, uh, manager has been demanding like him before, it's going to naturally change the players, it's going to naturally have an impact on those players' motivations. So whilst last season and the season before, yes, there was many players lack motivation and probably more players lack motivation as the season went on because we realised we weren't going to go anywhere, which then is a question for them individually. But at this point, going into a new season under a new, new manager, no player should be lacking any sort of motivation going into the season. This is massive now. You're, you're at the pinnacle. You're at the highest level of the game plan for Manchester United with a manager that one wants to play football and two wants to play a press. So it's going to be completely different this year. I know what you're saying about the high press at Rannick had, but Rannick, it was different. It was totally different to how we're going to play this season. And we'll see it this, this week, definitely. All right, well, let me ask you about that motivation thing, right? So do you think the best athletes in the world get their motivation from their coach? Or do you think that the best athletes in the world are self-motivated. The most successful people in any walk of life, do they get their motivation from their boss or are they self-motivated? Because to me, and I'll use this example, Ronaldo or Messi would have been the best player in the world if they'd have played for Steely Bridge Celtic. Right? They just would have been, regardless, because they were so determined to be successful that they were machines. Michael Jordan didn't need Phil Jackson, in my opinion. Um, they would, he would have been the best player in the world. They happened to meet. He's the best, probably the best coach in the world at the time. But to me, if you're relying on Tony Robbins' podcast to motivate you and self-help books and everything else, you have a problem. Because faculty discipline is far more important than motivation. Motivation is a mood. right? Moods come and go. Faculty discipline, adherence to certain goals and discipline is, where, is what, it, that's what manifests success. Not... I'm going to listen to a Rocky video on the way in here and you've forgotten it by the time you get on the field. No, I seriously mean that's what happens, right? So I think um, you have to have a baseline that says, my discipline will not let me fall below this because, and in, in, in slight defense of Ronaldo, he is so focused on pursuit of personal goals that it just so happened that coincided with the team's goals, right? And so they got there together. But Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't coming in and saying, I need Derek Ten Hag to motivate me, nor was any of the best players in the North. I mean, you take a look at someone like Real Madrid, right? Go through managers every season, yet somehow they still win European Cups consistently. And it's got nothing to do with the manager, really. It's got to do with the discipline of the players that are at the football club. It's got to do with the consequences of not playing to the very highest standard. So to me, I think that's an awful indictment on those United players if they're saying, now Eric's here. Because here's the problem with that, mate, as you know, as soon as you need to start losing a game or two and all the criticism comes online, which it will, of Ten Hag, and those players feel like they can scapegoat a manager and not themselves, their muscle memory kicks in. Like what you've said, though, there was a couple of points I'd agree with, but mostly disagree with everything you've said. There's different <laughs> managers, right? <laughs> I have to be honest there. There's different... There's different styles of personality. There's different styles of player. There's a player that needs an arm around the shoulder, right? Of there's a player that needs to kick up the backside. There's a player. There's a player that's self motivated enough that he can go onto the pitch like Ronaldo and produce every week without someone having to motivate him. But that's why a manager's employed. That's why teams just go don't go out with eleven players and no manager because there's no organisation. There's no one there to speak to someone whenever you need someone to speak to. Players are all different individuals. So when you've got 11 different individuals on the pitch, it takes a lot to make that 11 a team. And we've seen it over the past mm. couple of years. The past couple of seasons, there's been no team spirit whatsoever. Look around that team. Look around the dressing room. The photo I shared the other day on Twitter, every head's down apart from Phil Jones because he's making his first appearance in God knows how long. And he's head and shoulders above everyone else. Literally. And that's the point that I'm making here. A manager is very important. And a change in manager is very important also. Because Ten Hag brings something different. And all of these players are individuals, right? Yes, we make up one team, 
but they're all individuals. So at some point, Ten Hag's going to have to deal with every individual differently. So I think you were definitely wrong on what you said there in terms of, yes, the best players in the world, Ronaldo and Messi, are a very small percentage. Those you see players, the players that need their arm on the shoulder constantly, they aren't key players in a football club. Right, because you can't they rely can on be. them. You can't not no, nah, listen, mate. They are not the players that win you titles. The players that win you titles are the players you don't have. I mean, Roy Keane, did Roy Keane need a self-motivator? Did he need a good manager to motivate him? You know, did uh I mean I, I can give you a litany of players here that are key players that win you titles that were not motivated by a manager. Right? Millions of them. The, the people that need the arm around them. I need to be constantly reminded that are insecure, that have other issues. The problem is you can't get consistency because they're perturbed by so many minuscule variables, right? But the people that have faculty discipline, I accept that this is a personality trait, that this is that everyone is different. But there's a reason why single-minded, ruthless people make the very top, like Mourinho. Like if you look at the people that have United have had, United have had the nice guy. They've had the nasty guy. They've had the disciplined guy. They've had all of that. And yet none of them can get consistency out of these players. First and foremost, you are responsible for your success and failure in life, right? Yes, people will help you. And yes, you need some luck. But ultimately, over, over like a 38-game season, consistency matters. Right? There, we know there are millions and millions of talented people that never make a professional footballer, Right? It has nothing to do with ability. It has to do with discipline. The League One, League Two Championship is filled with people like this. Ask the players at the top, what's the difference between a League One Championship player and a Premier League player? It's consistency. That's it. That's why they can win in an FA Cup game, but they can't do it over a 38-game season because to be great takes enormous discipline in what you eat, sleep, what motivates you when you're wealthy, what gets you out of bed, what drives you? What do you want? The fact that United, vast majority of most United players have no goal, have no, no, no. I mean, they, they couldn't find a reason to care is on them. Not on Ten Hag, not on Ranić, not on Solskjaer, not on Mourinho, not on David Moyes or anyone else. It's on them, right? And in life, you're always told, don't point the finger at other people. Don't say it's his fault or her fault or this fault or that's fault. Because you see, the, the most successful people don't do that. They don't look for reasons for failure. They look, they're successful. They eliminate the reasons for failure. We'll give you a million reasons to fail if you want. Sure, mitigating reasons, not my fault. You know, this happened, got in a car accident, this happened, this better luck. But ultimately, the best people make it because of a mindset, right? The consistency. That's why people get to the top, and that's why a lot of people don't. That's my opinion. And if you need a gimmick like a manager, a manager comes in, lifts the mood. Problem is, it's a sugar head. It lasts a couple of weeks, right? And then, and like I said, mate, these United players, you judge them on what they've done, not on what they say. And they've thrown every manager under a bus at the first opportunity. They did it the time. They did the running within weeks. You know, so that's my view on that. And you don't have to agree, but that's what I think. Um, well, I also mentioned something, of course, about Barcelona. Did you see the clip that I retweeted with Graham Hunter? Yeah. So I thought it was an excellent analysis on the situation of Barcelona. And what he was saying is Barcelona have the ability to sell and not to bring another 100 million by continuing to sell part of their... Uh, I mean, read this probably the studios that they use to make their own documentaries and all this uh, content to make sure they can register their players. They've generated about 850 to 900 million. They obviously had the Spotify deal. So they don't need to sell Dion to register players. They're obviously financing their future. A um, lot of incorrect reporting on that. Um, so it is possible he could still stay. I think there's definitely a possibility, but it's just went on too long now. If if, if we weren't if if we weren't gonna get him, I think we would have walked away by now. Ten Hag knows him. I think that that that's where it ends. That's where this conversation ends. Ten Hag knows him on a personal level. But do we need to say any more about that? 
Would we, as Manchester United, with Ten Hag manager, who knows that there's not long left to get Frankie De Jong, do you think we'd still be in for him if we weren't? We didn't have a legitimate chance of getting him. No, the there's definitely a legitimate chance of getting him, and Barcelona would like him to go. But I get the feeling that despite De Jong's promises, and I'm sure he's given commitment to Ten Hag, it's not something he's desperate to do. Um, but um, as far as alternatives go, United said they have alternatives. I've asked him about this. Um, whoever that alternative is, I just wonder what happens when you ring him with two weeks to go at the window and go, sorry, we can't get Frankie. You want to come to Man United? That's the problem. Is what that type of, yeah. You leave it You leave it to that point and then someone knows that they're the second choice. It's like going to the formal and asking a girl to go with you. And then you find out that she doesn't want to go away and you have to ask someone else. Didn't happen to me personally, but never happened good friend to me, Dan it happened to him. Uh-huh. It happened to my good friend Dan Reed a couple of times. So, like, whenever you look at things like Are that, you on the weekends? It's, go- it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for us to get someone. But I think the perfect player out there, the one that ticks all the boxes, he's not as good as Frankie De Jong, really, but he's up there as Yuri Telemans. In my it's opinion, he's player. the one to go and get. He is he is a different player, but he's he's the one to go and get that makes that midfield different. And other other than Frankie De Jong and Telemans, I can't see another midfield player that we could get this summer. I think it would have to be someone coming up. It has to be. I think um, we should get Arteta in and we should get him to play funny tunes before you need to go and play certain teams. Oh my <laughs> have you ever God, seen anything so crazy all your life? The so, uh, are shambles. See, huh? see, free from start to finish, Arsenal are shambles. So we, we don't need to speak about Arsenal on this. So what happens when they go and they're preparing to play at Manchester City? Oh, they sit down and go into a meditation room, have, have a dummies meeting. Oh, let's go prepare for the silence that we're going to get at Manchester City. What happens when they go to play at Newcastle? They'll play uh, funeral songs just in case um, their owners don't take, take losing the wrong way. Oh, um, have you, uh, this is, by the way, a guy who's just gotten away with the fact that he played a, a, a rapist, an accused rapist. Somehow that story disappeared. Now, the fact that that story disappeared is a disgrace. And a Michael Arteta and Arsenal are not. I mean, can you imagine if this was United sponsors? Would be there'd be, be a front page story. Manchester United would be eviscerated over this, and rightly so. And sponsors would be leaving on mass, which gives you an illustration that sponsors don't really care about the, this crime. They just care about the bad publicity it creates for them. Where are all these sponsors turning around and saying the Arsenal and saying the, uh, the, the, the particular player in question? We're, we're binning you. I've heard a thing about it. It almost didn't get mentioned. Oh, we don't want to compromise the investigation. You can still act and talk about it. You still mention that it happened. You don't have to draw conclusions, but you can mention that this happened. Anyway, certainly that wasn't... Another name, sorry. Another name that, that's circling about is Ruben Neves. Would you like to see him? Um, I would really think Ruben Neves is a very, very good player in his prime. Um, I think he Wolves would sell him. So yeah, um, I think uh, he is a player that if United went instead of De Jong to him, I'd be happy. Look, Cantona was the second choice. You know, David Hurst, of course, was the first choice. So sometimes it can work out. It can just be serendipitous. Um, I'm not saying that's not, but it's not ideal. Um, and I would also like to see United make some moves on that to try to force Barcelona's hand and try to force Frankie de Jong's hand. We talked about Sesco, as we said, you know, United obviously quite like Benjamin Sesco. Um, and as I've said, we mentioned in the earliest podcast, this is someone that precedes Ten Hag, of course. United knew about him, someone they considered before under Ranić when they needed a striker. When Ranić told them six months ago to send a striker, they didn't. They wanted to save that money for the summer. Where's my striker? Okay, it's now August. So, um, and the thing about Sesco, Sesco's very, very different to Anthony. Sesco's a target man in the in the, in, a, in a Sebastian Haller sense. You never want wanted Anthony before the whole Ronaldo situation happened. So it would be a massive shift for me to see them go from wanting a wide player that plays up front to wanting a number nine target man. So but they definitely do like Sesco. Well, I, I think that you, you're losing Cavani. You, there's still a potential that we lose Ronaldo. Who knows? I don't think we will, but there's still a potential that we do. 
we need a nine more than we need a winger, in my opinion. Yes, we need a left a left footed winger, but the more pressing issue is a nine, especially if there's a chance that Ronaldo leaves, because you don't want to be flapping at the end of the window, because there's there's a likelihood that Ronaldo could leave towards the end of the window. Who are we left with then? Who's going to lead the light then? Just just Anthony Martial? Are we going to rely on Reiser going back into that that nine room? Is he is he is he capable of doing it? No. So I think it's very important that we get a nine, an up and coming nine. Someone like Cesco would be good for the time being. That then in January can push on. And I know we've said it before, and you said Ronaldo won't be happy with with having to to give game time to someone else. Well, you know what? He's just going to have to suck it up because he's leaving at the end of the summer anyways. So when it gets to January and it's after the World Cup, he's just going to have to suck it up. He's nothing else he can do. So at that point, then you you've got an, an easier hand to play because you've got the, the ability to say to him, "Look, you're leaving in the summer. We've got this kid up and coming. He's going to play games. It's simple as that." You know, it's just an odd situation with him continuing to say he desperately wants to leave. He desperately wants to leave. Why did he never play him at the weekends? I mean, I don't understand what the utility of that is. Like, what, what, what if he doesn't want to play for him? He's not going to play for this summer. What this season? In your confidence, going to leave? Why play him? And I took I took nothing from his whole body language strap that people show. I mean, did you watch Brantford? He's always done this, right? <laughs> Ronaldo. Um, <clears throat> and so to me, he's not going to play at the weekend. I just wonder if Ten Hag looked at Garnacho and said, maybe Garnacho is enough instead of Anthony on the left because he thought he was excellent uh, against Real Vallecano. And we know he can play at that level. Maybe he is one player that wouldn't need to be loaned. Like, I still think Jimmy Garner needs another loan at the Premier League level. Won't go out on loan course until United send someone or, or close to sending someone. I still I think Mabry needs a loan. I think Shoretari needs a loan. I think Palestri needs a loan. I think Ahmad needs a loan. You know, he scored the weekend. You need to see these players perform consistently over a 38 game period to see if they're ready at the highest level. And none of them have done that yet. I mean, Palestri didn't play that much um, on loan last season, nor did Ahmad. Um, and I think before you can talk about being a real, I mean, you take a look at the level of Man City, Liverpool at the weekend. It was frightening, mate. It, and you're going, we're so far behind that. And, and so when we talk about what is realistic next season, the top four has to happen. Because see if you need it, don't finish top four next season. I'm going to make a couple of predictions. One, Ten Hag will get absolutely slaughtered. Right? Because people can talk about that in an abstract way and say, sure, yeah, top four. If you finish fifth, it's all right. But you see the actual experience of that finishing fifth? Fans will go nuts. Look, most fans on social media, their opinions are based solely on the last 90 minutes. Right? That's it. It'll change 90 minutes from now. It'll change 90 minutes from now. It'll change 90 minutes. If someone plays well, they're a genius. If someone plays crap, they need to be bent. We see this preseason, right? Ten Hag's already getting criticized uh, because this signing, that signing, this player he wants, that player, this player he started, this player he didn't play. That's okay. That's, that's fans. But if they don't finish in the top four, the other thing that happens is they don't get that Adidas money. Plus, that Adidas contract is up for renewal next season, uh, 2013 to 23, I think it is. So, um, so they'll be negotiating that contract. As Richard Arnold said, the money's there for this season. Beyond that, I don't know. And let's just say United finished at the top four. They're going to need the top striker next summer with Ronaldo leaving. So let's assume that's what happens. Where's that money coming from? And when you look, calculate the damage that's been done to this football club, one of the reasons it's being given for players not wanting to come here, Cal, is the way the football club is run. And that's because... Frankie Dion plays in the same Dutch team as Van der Beek. What do you think Van der Beek's told him about United? Uh, what do you think Memphis Depay has told him about Manchester United? What do you think Van Hal's told him about Manchester United? Uh, what do you think Cavani told Darwin Nunez? Right? I mean, th- this is this is when you're calculating the damage of what's been done, you have to factor this in. Definitely. And you just mentioned something there that, that clicked something on me. The, there's talk of Depay, right, being bought out of his Barcelona contract and let go him free. I, I don't want them either, but mm-hmm. a lot of people are calling for it as a free alternative to Anthony that can give us something different. He was shite whenever he was at United. Simple as that. No other way to put it. However, he's been half decent at Barcelona. Could he... On a free? Would you take him? No? Mate, we have said I mean, on a free, about players half decent on a free. That's what we're reduced to. You want to catch Liverpool by sending players that are half decent on a free? I mean, sure, if you're Bournemouth, sure, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, if you're Brantford, 
But if you're Manchester United, is that the reasons why you should be selecting players because they're half decent on a free? If that's where we're at, but that's where we're at. They, they forget they top are. four, man. Forget top because no other club that has top four ambitions do that. I mean, if that's they don't, and at, this, this is my point that I've been making for weeks is mm. that we aren't active in the transfer market. There is no one that we're linked with as a I number mean, nine, which is scary. Which mm. is scary in today's football that we didn't make a move on Nunez, that we didn't make a, a move on Vlahovic at some point, that we haven't made a move on these players that would have strengthened the club, strengthened our position in the league. Why not? What, what's wrong? What, what, what's the fundamental the change that's needed to change that? They don't have the money. There's, there's, well, there's, they, you know, they we're talking March, April, May, June, you were talking about Harry Kane in the ring. I said, you know, will never be in the market for someone like Harry Kane. There's no chance because you don't have to stretch 150 million across four positions, not in one, four or five. And so when you look at what United's net spend is this summer, you got Ericsson on free, you got Malasia for 14 million, um, Lissandro for 55. They've got a loan fee for Dean Henderson. They're going to sell Brandon Williams. They'll get a loan fee for Alex Tellez. They're going to sell Bailly. Um, who else do they sell? It's just going off the top of my head. Um, so, who's the other player they sold to get this money for? It's just going off the top of my head. Hurry up. I'm, I, 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 who, who, who have you said? I've done more drugs than Lawrence Armstrong, so my, my memory is, uh, is a bit broken. Uh, <laughs> right? Um Anyway, so um, you need you need have sold some players this summer, right? And um, so, someone help me here in the comments. Hurry up, bail me out, lads. Andreas Pereira. Andreas Pereira. I knew that. I was just using a few minutes. Right. So there was the other one, right? So it's paltry. You take a look at what Liverpool and City have spent, right? And so, to me, you need to have to be very careful because if they start battling. None of the sentences they've made will buy them any credibility with the fans. Things will get dark quickly. They have to get two, because really when you think about it, the two players that are left are the two biggest ones that need to be brought in this summer. Should have been done already. At least one of them anyway. The defensive midfielder, okay, we can we understand, but, but there's no reason why a forward hasn't been signed at this point. But, but that's that's where the problem lies. You said something very important there. You said things are going to get dark with the Glazers. Mm. Things are dark with the Glazers. But we still don't see any change. It, I think it gets to a point where they have no choice. I think if this continues, and we, we don't make top four this year, and there is no strengthening of the side, it gets to a point where there's no choice anymore. There's no, there's no oh, Joel, we, we need a wee bit of help here. We need you to... To decide to do a fans form, we need you to decide to do this. We need to do this. It's an absolute myth, and I think, to be honest, whenever we're even talking about it now, I'm still skeptical of the fact that we'll ever see see United get sold over the next five years. Really skeptical because I can't see it happen. Okay, we well, need to realize that you're condescending. That. That's rude to waste our conversation. You need to think about what the Glazers are. The Glazers are are, are are venture capitalists. They're, they're just money men. They're just people that buy businesses and they sell them once they, they once they've bled them dry. They don't see the, the incentive to own them disappears. They don't own United because they love United or they love winning trophies. They own United because it's a cash bonanza for them. But there's a couple of things that are happening. One that whole Todd Bully deal with Chelsea. There's an anti Glazer clause in that deal that allow, that prevents them from taking money out. And if that gets applied across the board, which they're talking about. Then the Glazers' only other way of taking money out of Manchester United is in two ways. One, if they sell voting rights shares, which they don't want to do because once again that would prohibit their ability to take out money. Or two, selling the football club. The only way they can appease the fans is one of two ways, by buying players or by results. And when they can't produce either, it's hard to see how they would contain protests. It's hard to see what they could do to, to, to appease fans. When you look at the financial markets where they're going, you look at the economy where they're going, and you look at the last time you needed a parsimonious in the market was 2009. Whenever the markets collapsed, markets collapsed again, Glazers were under immense pressure. The problem is, if you're someone that wants to buy Manchester United, I'm going to sit and wait. I'm going to go and let them bleed a bit more because that price is going to keep coming down. And then I'm going to do it. All right? This is not the time to buy. The time to buy it is the end of this season. If you don't have another ter 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 terrible season, the Glazers will have to sell. Because see, 2009, when Hicks and, Hicks and Gillette, 2010, when they lost Liverpool, United almost, at very 
Glazers came very close to doing the same thing. They only refinanced a couple of months before and saved themselves, so they got those interest rates down. So it's not they're, they're not a multi-billionaire family like Stan Kroenke. So to me, once the incentive to own United is removed, they will go. And uh, so I could see that easily happening over the next couple of years. I mean, take a look at what we've gone through the last few years, selling United. I mean, you look at Chelsea, it happened so quickly once a week start. Uh, so do you want to start getting us some questions, mate? <clears throat> Yeah, well, do um, there's loads here. So again, sorry if we miss them because I know I got a few a few angry tweets last week saying that we missed their, their questions. So try and get to them. Um, I don't read them. It's his fault. Send them to Colin McGuigan, the claims department. I have a hundred tweets asking where where the podcast is to get through first there. So um, okay, so will will Phil Jones go out on loan for some minutes? He's the least of everyone's concern, but he's had a hard time and needs a break. Is there any update on this? I don't think he uh, he will go on loan. I think if he goes anywhere, he'll be sold. I think that's the, the right thing to do with him. I'm not too sure it will happen because I think he was in talks with uh, Rooney at DC United and it never worked out. So can't see him going elsewhere. I think he, he's probably the type of player who will stay at United and he'll end up doing something like with saying Tom Huddleston to do today, in my opinion. That's what will happen with Phil Jones. But Phil might know something different. Completely agree. Um, the guy just doesn't have a physical body that can hold up to the rigors of professional football. And it's a tragic story because he could have been an exceptional player. I don't understand a lot of people that have hate for him. You know, what? I'm sure the guy's absolutely devastated over what has happened. Uh, how much money you make has got nothing to do with how, whether you've got empathy for another human being or not. Um, how could you get him? How could you move him on? You can't move on players that, have, uh, that are fit and capable of going and improving teams. There's no way. So I think they'll just let his contract run down and, and um, give him a coaching job. But I, I don't understand why oh. people are bothered about it because he's not going to play it. I know. Uh, simple as that, really, isn't it? Um, Daryl O'Reilly has said, is there any truth in the links to Dumfries from Inter? And if so, do Inter still owe money for Lukaku? So can that be offset against any fee? I think we need to get rid of Juan Bissaka before we make him, or, or Dallow, one or the other, before we make a move for a right-back. And I think if we don't get rid of either, we won't be sending a right-back, in my opinion. Um, what about you? Well, Inter owe Chelsea money. For Lukaku from the original transfer, um, so um, or, or uh, from that transfer, uh, so uh, sorry, Chelsea still enter money. Um, that's right, yeah. So um, I don't know if they United money. That I'm sure they it's it's paid installments like everything else. I don't pay that close of attention. Um, as far as dumb free schools, uh, as you just pointed out. United have got two right backs. I think they would get rid of Van Bissaka if they could and bring in another one. Um, I haven't heard anything concrete on Dumfries. Um, and from the people that I've asked, I've never really gotten anything that suggests that United are seriously interested. I think primarily because the two most important things that they need to do right now are defensive midfielder and a striker, and I just don't have the money for anything else until other players leave. I do think United will be busy up until the last few days of the window. In my opinion, this this one is actually part of Connor Higgins' question where he asks about um, sending another right-back and he says about Lurd going to Watford. In my mm. opinion, I'd like to see Ethan Lurd promoted to the first team. I think he offers you more. Well, from what I've seen of him, he offers you more than Wambasaka and Dallow. I think it's good to promote from within. Mm. I think he offers that young, hungry player that we've seen in Alanga when he, for example, came up to the first team. So why not? Why? What's different between Dallow and Wambasaka and Lord. In my opinion, Lord's above both of them already, because they're they're not good defensively and they're not they're not great going forward. So when when we look at uh, Lord, he offers a bit of both. I didn't see enough of Lord last season. I thought he was excellent, one of the better players against uh, Vercano. Um, I think with young players, it's really important they play consistently. Um, I think if Ethan Lord stays at United and plays 10, 15 games next season, it's not good for him. I think it's better that he goes out and plays consistently even if you loan him out with a recall option in january where things aren't going well then you could bring him back um but you know again we're t we talked about jimmy garner um uh decent he's in was at loan at swansea i believe on it um we talked about jimmy garner having a brilliant season in the championship but the premier league is a whole different animal and so if you take a look at the quality of the players in that position you know, they're trying to catch teams you know, they're trying to catch 
I mean, they're all top players, Colin. And so I think uh, it's risky. What I would say is if you're going to give a young player a chance, right back, left back, right wing, left wing, or the positions to do it, playing a young player down the span of your team is really risky. Definitely. Um, there's another good question here. Something I haven't really thought of. With the World Cup coming up and it being a relatively shorter half, first half of the season, could United be looking to do some bigger deals in the January window? Mm-hmm. As some players might look to change clubs after the World Cup and then will then become available. I think that's a, that's a good one, actually. Yeah, but I don't think so. And, I know, and, and I've thought about this a lot, actually, because you've heard Ten Hag talk about this. Um, the, the thing is, is that um, United aren't going to win the league. Right, so let's say in January one of two things is true: they're in the top four, they won't strengthen if they feel they've got a squad strong enough. They'll wait till the summer. They don't like ban in January, really. Um, or they're miles outside the top four, in which case they won't see a need to do that anyway, unless there's some serious injury or some unforeseen variable. I I don't see United doing anything in January. Now we talked about this on the last show, but possibly ban a striker in January to start phasing out Ronaldo over the second half of the season. But then you're also dependent upon other clubs selling that player in January. And most of the time, if you want a player that can improve you, it's hard to they're hard to get in January. If you're looking at its January transfer record in the last recent years, it's not good. How many? We'll go two more questions here. How many players do you expect realistically for United to sign by deadline day? And do we see any rabbit out of the hat signings like Cavani or Falcao? Mm. I think we'll see two. I think Frankie De Jong and a striker. Don't know about you. I think they'll, they'll be two. I think uh, they'll, they'll definitely. I mean, Ten Hag said himself, it's vaguely they're bringing it forward. Needs to get that done. Um, they've been profligate in preseason, uh, so they need a striker. The new striker that not. They're going to loan out like Palestrian and Mad, someone that can brought in and make an impact right away. They cost a lot of money. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see if two weeks to go in the window that forward wasn't signed, you need know, to start looking at some left field options, some some young from South America or some someone that we are not talking about. You know, United, there's a lot of exceptional journalists out there that do great work on uncovering these stories. I'm not one of them. I'm someone that you can ask if something is true and I can find out. So they're a better place to ask than me. And um, I do think that, uh, I mean, I'm obviously aware of some stuff. And uh, United have, you know, told me that there's other players beyond the ones that they wanted. That, you know, they have plan Bs and Cs that they will uh, move on when the, when the time is right. What they can't do is not sign two players. What they can't do is sit there in the end of August and go, we're happy with those th- with those three presidents. It's nowhere near enough. Last uh, last question here is: Which player are we most impressed with from the preseason, and which of the youth players would we integrate with the first team squad? So for me, Zidane Ball was, I think, everyone's choice. I think Charlie Savage looked great as well. Um, I'd like to see those two in and around the squad. I'm not going to say they're going to play a lot of games, but League Cup games, Europa League games. And I think the other ones, Ethan Galbraith, who hasn't had a chance in the first team for whatever reason. I think a good young player, Tim Hag type of player, he's maybe a bit in the small side for the Premier League, but there's been small small players before that have done it, so why not Ethan Galbraith? And you know something? I could even see him playing right back at some stage as well. So be interesting to see maybe those three integrated within the team. But I do think maybe... Um, Two of them will will end up out on loan, but it'd be good to see the three of them. I think most likely Garnacho um, will be the one that will be captain in the first team. If I look at the likes of Zidane Ball and Charlie Savage, not that we have to be careful. You know, Andres Pereira was a preseason monster. Um, I think, uh, like I said, playing those young players in the middle of your team, young players have to be allowed to make mistakes. That's just part of life. You can't have them make mistakes in key areas because that's where you win and lose the game. If a winger loses the ball, fan. If a right-back, left-back loses the ball, have a pitch, fan. If a defensive midfielder loses the ball, that pressure is right on top of your defence. Midfielder loses the ball, you could cut it. You know, so forward, it can't score, like young uh, that, that young Fabio Silva at Wolves and stuff. You know, you have to be really, really careful with, with, with young players down the centre of your, your pitch. So I think that's also why they went for experience with Martinez, Ericsson, De Jong, these are all players right down the middle of the team. Um, 
you know, I think with the centre-back pairing, it's always going to be Maguire and someone else. Once he announced Maguire as a captain, it was Maguire and someone else, which I think will be Martinez. Rafael Varane missed 18 Premier League games last season. You can't build a Premier centre-back pairing on, on a guy that misses half a season. Uh, maybe doesn't have the fitness to play every week in the Premier League. I remember his first game against Wolves. I remember him blowing his cheeks out because of the speed and intensity of the game. So I think that... Um, he obviously saw a problem down the middle of the team, which is why he wants the players that he does. If he sends a striker, he will have sent a player right down the spine of the team, right down the centre-back, centre-midfield, striker, and uh, tells you all you need to know about um, you know, the, why I, I, I'm, I'm still dubious about going with a young striker. No, definitely. And I, I'd kind of not... Um even thought of mentioning Garnacho because I thought it was a given. Um, mm. Garnacho needs to be around the setup this year, especially. I don't know what the story is with Greenwood still. I'd put Garnacho ahead of Alanga, mate. I was just about to say, we don't even know about Alanga. I think uh is different to Garnacho, so, you know, they both offer you different things, but I do think Garnacho looks special, and there's there's only once in a while you see a player like Garnacho come along mm-hmm. where they are special, and there's definitely something about him, so it'll be good to see him grow, hopefully, this season. Anything else? No, nah, that's also on questions. I think I've went through enough of them there. Some people, again, sorry again, but we'll get to you next week. Yes, uh, folks, we're going to start doing these podcasts twice a week once the season starts. So um, my colleague here is going to iPhone, so I don't know if he'll join me on both of them, but I'm going to make sure there's at least two of them out. So congratulations to my compadre here. Well done, mate, on, the, on your recent success. And a uh, big Appreciate massive it. thank you to everyone for tuning in, downloading the podcast, and wish you all the best, mate. But you're still going to be here doing the native pod, so you don't get way that easy. Thank I'll, you. So I'll much. still be. I'll still be here. I'm not going anywhere, so it's all good. That's all right. I I uh, I like. I need someone like yourself to make me look good. Not right, kid. <laughs> you know. What did you? Oh, no, Twenty-eight minutes. Paper around the Beirut. Right, man. I'll see you later. See you later, Colin. Bye. See you later, man. See you later. Mm.